What's missing at the wedding? Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, Jesus said, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps while the bridegroom tarried. They all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now, our passage tonight, one of the parables of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, that passage collectively that we refer to as the Olivet Discourse. It was what Jesus spoke uh, when he was on the Mount of Olives, and he did that in response to the question that the disciples asked in Matthew 24 and verse 3. Uh, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, Jesus answered their question, gave them many signs, and a message that deals primarily with the Jewish people. Uh, this chapter was going to look back to those thoughts. And so again, we're going to see even the message that we see tonight that has a primary application to the Jewish people and specifically the Jews that Jesus was addressing himself to at the time. Uh, but Jesus will expound the point of the parable very plainly to us. In verse 13 he says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now that meaning of the parable, that application of the truth that he gave to them is really self-evident if you understand uh, the story as uh, it related to the Jewish wedding pr uh, practices. I uh, uh, hope you remember, most of you do, I'm sure, tonight, that uh, uh, the Jewish wedding uh, did not focus on the bride, but on the bridegroom. And uh, the coming of the bridegroom was what everybody was looking for and anticipating. Uh, everything would be ready uh, there at her at the bride's house and and the bridegroom then would, would appear. And that's, uh, he was the one basically who was kind of the star of the wedding. I'm not sure exactly why, uh, but my wife had a show on all day yesterday. Say yes to the dress. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I fear for the future of our country. I really, oh my goodness. I didn't watch a minute of it, but I couldn't tune it out. I mean, some, it was just going all the time. Every time I come through, it was some other scene. And, oh, my goodness. Oh, 
I'll just leave that alone and move on. <laughs> At the Jewish wedding, it was all about the bridegroom. And here he would come, and, and uh, there was the friend of the bride, and it was his job, of course, to say, behold, the bridegroom comes. That was his job, just to see everything went well and, and all the things were prepared and, and everything was provided for. Everything then was ready for the appearance of the bridegroom, of course, in the story of, as it played out in the New Testament, the one that played that role was John the Baptist. In fact, that's exactly what he said. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. I'm the one who announces his coming. I'm the one who makes sure that everything was ready and prepared for him when he arrived. It was his role. And so since Jesus applied the parable in that way, we're going to look at it within that concept. Jesus said, uh, you watch, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now, in the Jewish wedding, of course, they knew the day. The day was, was already established. They, they knew, obviously they knew the day was coming. Uh, the bridegroom, uh, the bridesmaids didn't just go hang out there for an indefinite period of time. They obviously knew that he was coming that day. What they didn't know was that it was going to be later than they thought. They didn't know the hour. And so Jesus said that it is our responsibility to be even more concerned about watching. Because we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know either one. And so it's our responsibility to watch. To be ready to be prepared. And so tonight we're going to look at this parable under several headings. And first we'll see of course the sleepy reception. While the bridegroom tarried. They all slumbered and, and slept. They all went to sleep. All of them did. Um, so while the, bride, the bridesmaids, the, the virgins as they were called, the unmarried ladies were all referred to as virgins in that day. And uh, while they were waiting then for the appearance of the bridegroom and the fulfillment of their duties, uh, the bridegroom tarried. Just like a guy to be late. He wasn't a runaway groom, Okay. Not sure what he was doing exactly, but uh, he just made his own time. I'll be there when I get there. And he apparently wasn't all that concerned that everybody was waiting on him and that he was running a little late. It didn't seem to bother him a bit. Uh, the bridegroom, Terry, he got there at midnight. Um... Even in the days of the Jews, there was a general awareness that the Messiah was coming. They knew that. Had they been the Bible scholars that they claimed to be, they would have read and, and studied the words of Daniel. And they would have known as the kings of the east, as the wise men from the east knew. When they came to Jerusalem, when the star appeared in the east, they knew exactly what it meant. Where is he? That is born king of the Jews. Why? Because Daniel had told them. Exactly when that was going to happen. And it was time. And they knew that it was time. 
When they went to Herod, of course, Herod took that uh, completely seriously. And we found out how seriously he took it when he caused all of the uh, babies, male babies who'd been born in Bethlehem to die. We were under two years old. There was a general understanding of, that he was coming. There was then a general understanding among the Jews of the time of his coming. Now, in our world today, of course, the, the coming, the arrival of the Messiah is a historical event. We look back on that. That happened. We know uh, about when it happened, how long it's been since it happened. We look back then on the appearance of Jesus Christ. We know uh, that God had compacted himself to the span of, of a virgin's womb. We know that he was born in a, in a stable in Bethlehem. We know that Jesus came into this world. As the Bible says in John chapter 1, in his inimitable fashion, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We look back on that glorious event. We anticipate, though, what? His return. We know He's coming. We know because He promised us, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself. We know that He's going to establish a kingdom, that His kingdom will be over the entire population of this planet. We know that he will rule from his throne in the city of David, in the city of Jerusalem. And we know that of his kingdom there shall be no end. We know that he's going to establish his kingdom on the earth. We know that he will rule over it. And we know that we'll live and reign with him for a thousand years. We know that he's coming. Generally, we know about the time. But as he looked at those so long ago who were anticipating his first appearance, his advent. He divided those people into two groups. Those who were ready and those who were not. All of them, you see, in a way, were generally at least anticipating his return, but some had done something about it. Some were ready, some weren't. Now, this was something that Jesus did again and again and again with humanity. Uh, he would divide them right here in Matthew chapter 24 into the sheep and the goats. He, he described them as those who were on the broad way that leads to destruction as opposed to the narrow way that leads to everlasting life. Now we divide people too. We divide people into the rich and the poor, the educated and the illiterate, the cultured, the uncultured, the popular or the nerds. But in reality there's only two groups of people. Those who are saved and on the way to heaven. And those who are lost and on the way to hell. Death, you see, is the great equalizer. We don't really die educated or uneducated. We don't die cultured or redneck. We don't die uh, town or country. We don't die rich or poor. We don't die in crowd or geek. We, we die saved or unsaved. When you consider then the wise and the foolish virgins, there might not be much difference on the outside. The difference, you see, was a little harder to see. Some had made preparation. Some had not. Now, the lamp is often used in Scripture as a symbol of the Word of God. The oil 
in the lamp would refer to the work of the Holy Spirit that gives illumination and light so that God's Word is illuminated by the Spirit and it's blessed into the lives and the hearts of those who hear it. Within the context, then it would be very easy to see the application that Jesus was making to the Jewish people. Uh, They were either wise or they were foolish because those people had the Word of God. Uh, It wasn't like it was unknown to them. They had it. They knew it. They knew about it. They were anticipating, at least in some sense, the arrival of the bridegroom. But there were some, again, who understood the time. Some who had made preparation. Some who had not. Some who were ready. Some who were not. When Jesus said they all slumbered and slept because the bridegroom tarried his coming. The primary application again was to Israel. In a sense, his arrival had caught them all sleeping. (laughs) Now, some of them were prepared, some were not prepared, but it caught them all kind of unaware. You know what? When he comes again, the Bible says the same thing is going to happen. In fact, right here in this very passage, in Matthew 24 and 25, several times, Jesus is going to tell them, in such a time as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. I've always applied that in a very simple way. You say, what does Jesus mean when he says, in such a time as you think not? Well, I'll tell you, when we think Jesus is going to come, tomorrow. The time that we don't think he's going to come is today. You're exactly right. That's a real easy, simple way to understand it. Jesus is going to come someday. But I'll tell you what, one of these days we're going to hear a trumpet sound and we're going to recognize it the moment that we hear it. And before we'll have time for the thought to even register in our minds faster than that, we'll be gone. And we'll meet him in the air. Be no time to get ready. When he comes, we're either ready or not ready. And so Jesus talked about the sleepy reception. If if we're not careful... Uh, we might be like the people who sleep the sleep of ignorance. <laughs> There's a lot of people that will be asleep when the bridegroom comes, when Jesus comes back. Uh, they'll be sleeping the sleep of ignorance. They don't know he's coming, don't care, is not looking for him. But there's unfortunately uh, some who will be sleeping the sleep of indifference. Uh, we'll just kind of lose the edge of our anticipation. We slumber. Doze off. And go to sleep. I'll tell you what, it's hard to fight that tendency to go to sleep. And uh, Jesus would even say to the disciples one time, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we all experience that from time to time. In fact, before this night is over, I can promise you there's, a, <laughs> there's going to come a time uh, when I'm going to be reading something and I'm going to be enjoying it. 
And the first next thing you hear is my phone, iPad, or book hit the floor. I mean, it's going to happen. Uh, and just doze off. And I've long ago learned that when that starts happening, it's just, might as well just put it down and turn the light off and go to sleep. Because you can fight sleep, but you're not going to win very many times. The flesh is weak. There's something about us that tends to go to sleep about the coming of Jesus Christ. Have to watch out for it. Because, let me tell you something tonight, the second thing, if there was a slumber, a sleeping reception, there, there's also his sure return. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. And then the difference between the wise and the foolish virgins became very, very apparent. Because some of them had brought oil in a vessel, some of them had not. First thing they did was they tried to borrow. And I don't say this in a mean way tonight, but there are some things that can't be borrowed. I love Jesus, but I can't love Jesus for you. I can't share that with you and, and, and give you some of my love for Jesus so you'll have some. I can't do that. I can look for Jesus and anticipate his return, but I can't share some of my looking and some of my anticipation so that you can be looking for him too. I can study the Bible and be led of the Spirit. I can preach to you. I can teach you everything that I know. But in the end, I can't give you, share with you, my desire to learn more about the Word of God. You have to have that for yourself. I'll, I'll listen, I'm so thankful tonight that there was a time in my life where I realized I was lost and I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save my soul and He did. I can be saved, but I can't share my salvation with you so you can have a little bit of it. I don't have, frankly, any despair. <laughs> Amen? I need all the salvation I've got. So do you. Some things you just can't borrow. Some things you can't share. Now every time I read this passage, there's something that's always a little pu puzzled me a little bit because apparently uh, this idea of having a 24-hour-a-day store that was open has not just been recently invented. Because I wouldn't have thought that they had all-night stores back then, but apparently they did. There was a 7-Eleven in Jerusalem somewhere, I promise you. Walmart Supercenter. I don't know what they called it, but there's a place open all night because they said, you need to go down there and buy some oil at midnight. Uh, that, that was an intriguing thing to me. I don't know what it looked like, where it was, but they didn't even bother to say, well, there's nothing open. There was a place open. Go and buy. And then come back. Well, they did, but then in verse 10, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Now, that's either one of the gladdest or saddest messages in the Word of God. Those who were ready were welcomed in, those who were not were rejected. 
And whether it's sad or glad depends on which side of the door you're on. When the Lord returns and we go in with Him as His people and the door is shut, so many things are going to be shut out. All of what grieves us and burdens us and breaks our hearts is going to be shut out. Because the Bible says He's going to walk, uh, wipe away every tear from our eyes and there's not going to be anything left that will make us weep or cry. Sin, gone. Temptation, gone. Suffering, gone. Crime, gone. Fatigue, gone. Politics, gone. Pressure, gone. Lord will shut the door. And so many things will be gone and the eternal celebration will begin. But some are left out. The opportunity is gone. Which brings us then to the solemn rejection. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. That language we know all together too well because Jesus told us that in that day many would stand before him and say, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Lord, have we not spoken to others and preached in thy Lord, in thy name have we not done many wonderful works? But Jesus said, in that day I will say unto them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. I know you not. See, there's a lot of people who look like believers. And they can even speak the language of believers. But they don't have the Lord. And it doesn't matter how you look. And it doesn't matter what language you can speak. If you know all the right lingo. If you don't know the Lord. And that's not the only time that Jesus brought this up in this parable because as you read back in Matthew chapter 24, uh, you'll see that this has come up over and over again. Verse 37, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not that the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Verse 42, watch therefore. For you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Same statement. Same teaching. And another of those contrasts of twos. We talk about the sheep and the goats, the broad way, the narrow way. How about this one? Taken or left? Taken or left behind? Verse 43, but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, 
the Son of Man cometh. You see, that, that common thread runs throughout all of the parables that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. All the, the stories mention a return, and, and for the most part, uh, an, at a return at an unexpected time. And at that time, people were ready for whatever it was, whether it was a good man, whether it was the thief that came, or, or, or whether it was in the days of Noah when the flood came, over and over again, the same story. It was a return at an unexpected time. And that's today. Remember, not tomorrow, but today. And for some who were ready and some who were not. And the most specific application of all of them, of course, was to the Jewish people who thought they were ready. But in the way they treated Jesus Christ, it became painfully apparent obvious that they were not ready he came into his own his own people the Jews and his own received him not Paul would say my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel is that they might be saved how do you know that Israel God's chosen people were lost because they rejected Jesus Christ they crucified him it's proof positive they were lost and they needed to be saved. In these two great watching parables that Jesus gave, one of them applied to men and one of them applied then to women, which was very unusual, you see, in the Jewish economy for Jesus to tell a story like this that related to, to women, the virgin. Many commentaries have suggested that uh, he wanted to make sure that this was a message that all humanity received. Uh, the two men who were working in the field, the, 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 the two women then uh, who were grinding at the mill, one taking another left, two men working in the field, and again uh, dividing male and female, all of humanity then would either be ready when Jesus came or they would not be. And those who would be watching him for him, those who would be ready, those who had made preparation, all of that goes down to their relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, you don't look for somebody you don't believe is coming. It's just a fact. If I say, well, you know what? I'm going to come out to your house tomorrow. You say, that lying preacher, he ain't going to come. <laughs> I know it. You can't. He, he, and you know we mean well. Now, now listen, that's a long-standing tradition uh, among preachers. Uh, Paul got in trouble with the church at Corinth because he said he was coming and he didn't show up. And they were mad at him. Had to write the whole book of 2 Corinthians. <laughs> and we're glad that he did. Paul meant well, and that's what he said. He said, you know, my yay, but I, I meant to come. I was running on it, but things happened, and I didn't make it on time, and I'm, I, you know. And, and that's sometimes the way it is. Uh, now, unlike Paul, Paul had a good excuse for not, <laughs> because it took all those months to get a letter to him. But, you know, I do have a cell phone, so if I'm not coming, I will text you or call you or try. I will, most part, unless I just plain forgot and I do that sometimes too. 
we look for people that we believe are coming. Especially if we love them. If it's our kids and our grandkids, they're coming. Oh, I tell you what, we're looking out the door every 15 minutes. We don't think if it's that uh, uh, cable guy that's coming to put your cable in, you know good and well he ain't going to be there when he said. <laughs> May not come at all. We all know that we look for the ones we believe are coming. I want to tell you a sad reality in our world today. There's a whole bunch of people there who aren't looking for Jesus because they don't believe he's coming back. In fact, they don't believe in him at all. And as we've seen, a sad reminder, they laugh at those of us who do believe he's coming. They mock those who listen for his voice. And who understand that God speaks to us through his word, through the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see so many examples of that. But listen, even though that might aggravate us just a little bit if we'll let it. But the fact is that there's a lot of folks out there who just need Jesus. Amen. I mean, they just need to be saved. They're not our enemies. They, they may think they're our enemies. They're trying to make themselves our enemies. But they're not our enemy. We love them because Jesus loves them. We care about them because he died on the cross for their sin. Just like he died on the cross for my sin. But we know. We know something that they don't know. That is that Jesus is coming back. And they'll either be ready. Or they won't taken or left taken or left let's not sleep the sleep of indifference let's not sleep the, the, the sleep of inactivity our Lord Jesus taught us you do the works of the light while it's still daytime because the time is coming, the night is coming, when no man can work. And until that time comes, let's be busy advancing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sharing with our friends, our neighbors, as we have opportunity. Inviting people to come to church. Inviting them and reminding them that we know Jesus Christ. It's getting that little plug in every now and then that goes a little bit beyond maybe I'll be praying for you. Let me talk to Jesus about you. Maybe reach out and grab him by the hand and say, let's pray together. And as Dr. Paul Goodwin says, you know, if you're real careful, you could put a lot of gospel in a prayer. <laughs> Listen, you get somebody to let you pray for them. That's a great time to put the gospel of Jesus Christ in your prayer. It's okay. As we talk to Jesus, to just say, Lord, I'm thankful that you died on the cross for our sins. And that you were buried, rose again. And that you live then. We know you're alive. And that's why we can call on you. See, it's real easy to put the gospel in our prayer. Always do that. Work for the night is coming when no man can work. Let's stand together for